Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes we forget that it's all a work. Formalities out of the way. We can go back to tangenting. Yes, we can go back to tangenting. So, I think we should start with AEW? Yeah, if you'd like to. We haven't really been online in a while, so it's like, there's a lot we've not covered, but I think like we just want to hit some highlights. I definitely would like to cover a little bit on Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. Because they, they've been advancing their storyline. Yes, or Brandon Avalon and Peter Cutler, because commentary can't tell them apart for some reason. <laughs> they just tagged together too well for so long. Yeah, those three matches that they tagged together. <laughs> it was two months, part-time. Um, there was also things I want to talk about from AEW. Uh, Brody Lee losing the TNT title. Disagree with. Um, <laughs> the Dark Order singing Cody's theme song. Agree with. <laughs> Which was very funny, because <laughs> they're both just standing in a circle, screaming adrenaline in my soul. Something, something, Cody, Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. <laughs> and it was just <laughs> incredibly, incredibly the Dark Order in like a way that... I appreciate the way that they've kind of gone from like a weird menace, like kind of menacing to like just a bunch of weird guys. Yeah, they're still the weird corporate cult, but they're like also a sex cult now. Yeah, also a sex cult. Um, But they're also like the most important part of BTE. Yeah, somehow they've become like the they're it's because the meat man is very charismatic and horny but like he i feel like he's the least horny of the dark order he was outright flirting with wardlow yeah but it's wardlow wardlow seemed into it uh just saying like the meat man is what i like silver is definitely the least he's the most horny but the least perverted does that make sense okay i think i get what you're saying um, that said, five Alan Angels and the hair is one of my favorite <laughs> running bits. You weren't as big a fan of Reynolds and the tap dancing? No. It only happened twice. <laughs> they they just do, like, such amazing bits. Stu being afraid of Anna Jay is another one that I love. Yeah, Anna Jay being, like, the most dangerous member of that group. More so than Brody Lee, apparently. He seems to be pretty afraid of her, too, at times. I I don't know. I I think he just knows how to target her. The important thing, though, is that Anna Jay is still within her, like, first, basically first year of wrestling. She's still within her, like, her first couple dozen matches. She's like what, like, 
she she counts as like a counts for rookie of the year. Yeah, she's which, a very big contender for that. I would think. I I think she. There's no way she doesn't win that. Like Dominic's good, but he's also kind of been around the scene forever. So the thing to remember about PWI is that it is sexist. Okay. Yeah. No. I. Okay. Um. It is a very kayfabe written magazine, so getting exposure on WWE counts more in there than exposure on AEW. Still. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I think Anna Jay's had. I mean, like Anna Jay's had more of a chance to show herself. Like, don't get me wrong, Dominic is good. It's just like he's also been in the yeah he's he's been around the ring forever he's been in wwe forever yeah he kind of got he kind of got lucky and got where he was he got thrust into a main event picture right away there's just like a lot of little things about like the way that dominic has come up that like it's a little bit yeah like dominic has uh dominic has the advantage of his parent yes and or his other parent, depending on which conspiracy theories you believe based on his height. Yes. Uh, do we really have to re-examine that? No. Okay, good. That was such a dumb storyline. Was it? Or was it the truth? No, it was dumb. And it then Vicky dumb. fucked it up. <laughs> oh, Vicky. Anyway... No, I, I just think like, you know, the looks that Anna Jay's had have been less main eventy, but they've yes. been better performance wise. I mean, like, so Anna Jay is by all accounts a complete natural in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her, her match against Sheeta was what did what culture say like. Her sixth match? Yeah, she's like very impressive. Yeah, like she only goes up from here, really. The crazy fucking thing is, she's 22. Yeah. Like. That's not that surprising, really. I mean, she. Yeah, she basically like worked two years in the indies, but not much. Yeah. But so she, like, she started training. In 2018, she had a single Lucha de Apuestas match, a hair versus hair match, <laughs> and then got called up to AEW. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that first match that she had with Sheeta on April 1st was her sixth match or something like that. It's, I can pull up her, uh, her cage, cage match. match page. Yeah. yeah. What culture actually did a really good breakdown of her career so far and just how impressive it is for her to come this far this quickly. Mm-hmm. Because, well, we see it with a lot of other people when they get onto something like AEW and they're put in front of a spotlight and there's half a million people watching at home and they know that and it kind of gets in their head and they start and they have rough starts, really. Right. She didn't 
Yeah, so she's had a total of 13 matches in her career. Okay. Yeah. She had had five before AEW. (laughs) That's nuts. Yeah. She got a look on Dynamite. Then she got another look when she dropped the second Y from her name. Yep. And she got another look and then she got into the tournament. It's very impressive how good and how quickly Anna J has become this good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, she's very much a natural with this, and it's really cool to, to see it happening in real time. Absolutely. So, like, while the... Uh, who are the five finalists for that, or six finalists, or whomever, whatever it is? It's Anna J, Dominic Mysterio, Xavier Faraday, Molly McCoy, and Jody. I think there was there was more. That was a good chunk of it, yeah. But like, okay, I do also love Jody. I will say, Jody was in the uh, battle royal at Poly Cult Party Two, and spent half the match not knowing where he was, and almost won it. Oh no, he did win it. <laughs> he like, did. Jody basically accidentally won a match in kayfabe, and I think that's a very fun very fun way to do it that was a weird match too yeah i mean like i'm always going to be partial to the chikara kids because they're my favorite but like i feel like anna jay deserves to win this one the most out just from like pure natural talent yeah if that's what you want to rate on it it's just like how impressive of a rookie year they're having with any kind of noticement yeah no she hands down I mean, like, Abaddon is also up there, though, like, because Abaddon was a one-off thing that they, like, you know, brought in some girl from, like, a local indie promotion, and then she immediately got over for being so good at her character. And fucking terrifying. Right. (laughs) It's great. I love it. I would like more of that. Yeah, I I wish she was on TV more. Um, so anyway, Anna J has been good. Uh, we were talking about Dark Order. We were talking about... Um, so Abaddon is a women's wrestler whose whole gimmick is kind of that she's like the ring girl. She's like a zombie, kind of. It's hard to describe. She's a very she's a horror character. Um, let me... She's also got like colored contacts. Looks really creepy. Abaddon versus Rosemary, the battle of the, of the face paint. That'd be pretty cool. The battle of the demons. <laughs> she was on the show like right before lockdown started. So it was one of like the last shows with a crowd. Yeah. She had a match against Sheeta. And Sheeta looked terrified the entire time. It was wonderful. Like Sheeta put her over so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's basically just a horror gimmick, yeah, which is fine. Like, I love horror gimmicks; they can be really well done. Abaddon is a really well done horror gimmick. She looks like a normal girl without her makeup. <laughs> well, yeah, a well, a normal goth girl, but she throws herself right into it and does a great job. So I remember when Abaddon first came out for a match, she like spit up a whole bunch of fake blood. 
Mm-hmm. And then looked at the camera, and I saw she had like one white eye and one black and red eye. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did she just spit some of that into a contact lens? Gosh, I hope not. <laughs> That's just her look. Yep. <laughs> yeah, her gimmick is the living dead girl. So anyway, uh, yeah, so she's great. Uh, okay, we wanted to talk about Brody Lee losing the TNT title. Yeah, because he did. What was it? Two months? One month? If that, like, I long enough for Cody to finish filming his stupid show. Yeah. So after Mr. Brody Lee got a three-minute squash victory on Cody, <laughs> he then, Cody then disappeared to film his stupid America's Got Talent knockoff. Yeah. Finished filming the America's Got Talent knockoff. And then came back and took the belt back. Which feels very anticlimactic for Cody's story and for Brody Lee's story. Yeah, it, it it doesn't feel nice having Brody Lee as like a placeholder champion. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy the dog collar match, though. The dog collar match was phenomenal. Like, everyone involved in that got a little bit of color. It was a... It was a very good match. And a very memorable match. Unless your name is Jim Ross. (laughs) Oh, no. JR forgot about that match this week on Dynamite. Yeah, he thought Darby was in it. Yes, no, uh, the dog collar match was extremely kinky. I will just going to go ahead and come out and say the dog collar (laughs) match. They were not dog collars. They were BDSM collars. They were attached with the chain. There was a whole run up of Mr. Brody Lee on Twitter talking about uh, Brandy keeps calling him daddy. (laughs) The Dark Order is a sex cult. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So it checks out that they would use BDSM equipment to have a dog collar match. I appreciate the fact that they trusted Silver and Reynolds, or like, or Silver at least enough to have him out there in Brody Lee's corner. Like, you know, the meat man being what it is, but what he is, he's like, he's a good hype man. Like, that's his, that's his thing. You know, he. He's 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 a good young kid and he can hype people up. Now that's an interesting change actually on this week's BT that they did. Was right. previously Mr. Brody hated Silver. As in but, would actually physically abuse him at times. Yes, with the papers. <laughs> but after him showing up for the dog collar match, Silver was the only one that didn't get kicked out of the office. Mm-hmm. Because so. Silver earned his spot by being loyal. So anyway, I'm just not a, I'm just not a fan of giving the belt back to Cody immediately. Yeah. I think the dog collar match would have been great no matter what. I just it feels weird having Brody Lee hold the title for such a short time. Yeah, especially when we've seen such long reigns for every other title in the company. I mean, like, I don't Someone had to be the first short reign, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, And, like, part of that is if someone's got to be the first short reign 
it's going to feel bad for them. But like, I mean, I personally don't mind seeing the titles change hands more than once a year. Yeah. And I'm actually a little bit disappointed in that part of the anniversary show that was this week. (laughs) In that we had four title matches. All the titles were on the line. Mm -hmm. Except the FTW title. Yeah, but that's not an official title, so we don't actually count that. But, I know, but I love bringing it up when you say all the titles. Because <laughs> I know I hate that fucking belt. <laughs> it's so dumb. But yeah, we, we all, all four titles, all four official titles were put on the line and not one of them changed hands. Okay, so for... For Erica's sake, the FTW title is a made-up belt that Taz gave to Brian Cage. That Taz gave to himself 20-plus years ago. Yes. (laughs) For being the best in the business. (laughs) Because, you know, fuck the world and all that. It's a a vanity belt. It means absolutely... It it means literally less than the BTE title. (laughs) And they're deciding that with Gator Golf. Which at least they're deciding it was something. Yeah, that's fair. Also, Gator Golf is a ton of fun. I love mini putt. We should do mini putt once things are open again. Yes. I feel like mini putt's got to be one of the few places that like could feasibly stay open if it's an outdoor mini putt. Yeah, there's a surprising number of indoor ones, though. Canada. Yeah. But there's a dinosaur one up here that's outdoor. Okay, we'll figure it out. Anyway, um, okay, what else do we want to talk about? No titles changing hands. We should probably circle back to the thing that... I guess we'll talk about Cutler and Avalon and then talk about... Let's talk about the anniversary show, then Cutler and Avalon, okay? Sure, we can do that. Okay, so the anniversary show was really good. Oh, yeah. It was frustrating that no titles changed hands. But at the same time, Orange Cassidy's challenge for the TNT title. Mwah. <laughs> it was. Oh. Oh. Did you watch up with that one first then? Yeah. So Orange Cassidy and Cody. First of all, Orange Cassidy locked up with Cody for the first time ever. First time in an AEW ring, yeah. Orange Cassidy. Almost, almost beat Cody. <laughs> oh, it. So we get down to what was it? 19 minutes out of a 20 minute time limit. They make the announcement. And everyone just starts watching intently. Right. So it was a 20 minute time limit. They're down to the last 10 seconds. Uh, Justin Roberts is counting down t- from 10 to signal the end of the match. Orange Cassidy goes for the pin with just under three seconds left. It's like three, two, mousetrap, one, over. And Orange Cassidy had the three second pin. 
but yep. just didn't have the time. He, he had the pin, but not the match time. And oh, Lexi, that's fine. We're going to tangent and ramble so much; it doesn't matter if you know what we're talking about. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. It, we we will mostly be talking about the drama and the emotional side of things. It was like you see Orange Cassidy there with his hands out, ready to take the belt because he thought he won. Yeah, he counted three to himself. He was paying attention to the match. He counted the three. He tried. He tried, like, really hard. He put a lot of effort in. Yeah. He's a former independent wrestling champion. He knows what it takes to do this. It was a... it, And then Paul Turner was the referee? I believe so. Paul Turner walks past him with the belt like, no, you didn't win this. I didn't count three. And he's just so defeated. He just like collapses. It's like. He was so he was orange crushed. Yeah, he was all pulp. After one year. Of learning to care about wrestling. And seeing what the culmination of caring about wrestling got him. He's learned the Homer Simpson lesson. You tried your best and you still failed miserably, which means you shouldn't try at all. Oh, yeah. Like, and it'll be interesting to see what happens because in two weeks he has a rematch with Cody. Do you think they make Cody a transitional champion too? Part of me hopes so. Okay, so my thinking of the TNT title is it's the television title. It's the more middle of the road. You're not going right. to have an AEW championship match every week on Dynamite. Right, but you can have a TNT title match every week on Dynamite. Exactly. So if you get that belt passing around more often than the other belts, then you have a really great chance to expose all the people that you want to be bringing up. Right. It's it's a good way to like take a mid-carter and give them a little bit more of a push-up. Yeah, it, it it's kind of the same idea with the Intercontinental Championship back in the 90s, that I, I think, where it's like, we're going to put this on this person who we plan to do things with. So we want you to see them and pay attention to them before they go off and do that. That's kind of my thinking. It's like, it, it's a spotlight. Now, it's it's a good way to, like, highlight a performer. I mean, like, you know, there are credible threats to the AEW title, right? Like, you have Lance Archer is a very credible threat to that title. Brian Cage, maybe a little bit less credible after his record. When Brian Cage is fully healed, yes, he will be. Um, obviously, now that Kenny is a singles wrestler, Kenny, um, Hangman will be, will be, Will Hobbs should be. Will Hobbs is one of those guys where I can definitely see in the future. Yeah, where when they're ready to start pushing him higher, he will definitely be a TNT champion. And oh, then move me. on? Yes, absolutely. 
He's not ready for like the AEW title right now. No. From producer Aitsu Archer Cage Pack, yes, definitely. When Pack's able to get back, I can definitely see him in the picture for the AEW title. I'm trying to think of who else could like reasonably fit the title picture for singles wrestlers. Honestly, like you could probably throw Brody Lee up there. I don't know about Brody Lee. Like he's he could be, but I don't know if he has been, you know? No, that's fair. Like, because like, they've been booking him mid-card-ish. Exactly. MJF, definitely. MJF will be. So if MJF isn't the AEW champion within like the next three years, I would be surprised. Yeah, I see MJF and Paige as being... The spotlight picture in I don't know, a couple years. Um, so to <laughs> clarify, PAC is just named PAC. It's not an acronym. MJF is short for Maxwell Jacob Friedman. And he's the biggest asshole heel. Heel meaning bad guy in the company that we're talking about right now. So yeah. his whole gimmick is that he's better than you and smarter than you and richer than you. And therefore deserves more than you. <laughs> like a steak dinner with Chris Jericho. Yes. Like a date <laughs> with Chris Jericho. TNT is the company that broadcasts AEW. Yes. Turner network show. television. So they get their own belt. Yeah. Yes. Pack is a honey badger. That's a good descriptor yeah, yes. for him. Oh goodness. Okay, so then the other thing uh the other thing we want to talk about was Cutler and Avalon. Yeah. So after Cutler and Avalon had their split a while ago, they've set up two matches since then. Both have been amazing to watch because yes. they're both great talent. Who would have known? <laughs> they're both great. But they're also both still on the only complete losing records in AEW. And they're going that path that we kind of laid out for them at the start of the year. Which is going up against each other and going to double countouts, double knockouts, double eliminations of all kinds. Yeah. So the first match they had ended in a double countout. Even though Brandon Cutler did get back in the ring. Yeah, he kind of did break the the line on that, but the ref was smart and didn't count it. So mm -hmm. we get to keep going with the feud. <laughs> the one on this week's, they got a double DQ. <laughs> Both of them using a foreign weapon. Because Cutler had his die underneath the ring for some reason. Yeah. That's the only part um, that doesn't make sense because he didn't bring it up with, with no, him. No, because Peter just started beating the crap out of him. Yep, Peter Avalon jumped him on the entryway. In all of this, so uh, for our new listeners, viewers, whatever, um, Peter Avalon ta Peter Avalon has like a partner, uh, Leva Bates, and she's like just the sweetest little librarian. So Peter Avalon is the librarian. So Leva Bates, Bates is also the librarian. Yeah. Leva is just like this sweet little librarian who just wants her friends, Peter and Brandon, to get along. Yeah. And they hate each other. So she's caught in the middle of this whole thing. And I just feel so bad for her. 
She's like always very worried and nervous about like their health and she doesn't want them to hurt each other. She doesn't want them to fight. And at the end, yes, Leva Bates is blue pants. Yes, yes, she is. Um, does she ship them? No. Leva seems to ship herself and Peter. <laughs> but also herself and Brandon, even though Brandon's married. That doesn't get brought up in kayfabe. <laughs> No, Brandon's, even though Brandon's wife is the person who does all of his ring gear, including his very, very impressive Tiamat jacket. Yes. Oh, my God. And gosh. his dragon mask. His gear since they split has been amazing. Yeah. So uh, Brandon Cutler's whole deal is that he's the D&D wrestler. <laughs> Literally. He's Literally. The he's he, he rolls the a D20 when he comes out. His music was written by... Uh, What's his face? The guy who wrote the Critical Role music. <laughs> Jason Charles Miller. Who was also in the industrial rock band Godhead. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. He is also a very prolific D&D player. And was on the guild I forgot that show existed. It was pretty. It was okay. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was a product of its time in a lot of ways. Yes. Uh, Lexi wants to know what happens if he rolls a one. Um, he loses. But it's also the same thing that happens if he rolls a 20 because he has yet to win a match. <laughs> His um, Okay, let's pull up Brandon Cutler's record. I think he's 0-19. Yeah. And Avalon's about the same. Yeah, they've lost the exact same amount. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now, is that just his 2020 record or his overall? Good question. Let's see. Um, Win-loss record. No, Brandon Cutler is 0-26 in his time in AEW. Okay, so that's just the 2020 records then. So is Peter. Sean Dean, the, you know, Navy man or whatever. He was in the Navy, don't, don't forget. Sean Dean is the next worst at 0-19. Oh, Sean and Dean has put in a lot of work this year for AEW. Oh, also Lee Johnson is 0-19. Yep. Also doing a lot of work for AEW this year. <laughs> okay, let's go by win percentage. Um, <laughs> oh no, we're going to be forever. Awesome Kong, 100% win percentage. Yep. This is, okay, so this isn't completely up to date because it has Brody Lee at four and four, or, or four matches, four wins. So so they're a couple months behind? Yeah, they're, they're lagged. This is definitely lagged. Allie, it's nine and eight in 2020. I believe that. Abaddon is six and five. Sorry, no. I'm reading this wrong. I'm a little tipsy. <laughs> Allie is eight and one. Okay. I misread it because they have the wins, then the win percentage column, then the losses column. Oh, I see. I gotcha. Yeah, this list snow draws, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of losing wrestlers in AEW right now. Oh, yeah, because they have such long episodes of Dark. 
Well, like the thing is, so what what they're doing right now that makes it kind of unique is that they're bringing in like indie talent and having them wrestle on a like on dark and on dynamite occasionally as like you know ways to keep those indie talent employed during the pandemic. Yeah, and it just so happens that that means they get booked in a lot of squashes, like Pineapple Pete. Who came out very well from losing a lot. You know, Shug D has I like Shug D has been good for a long time, but oh, his yeah. stock is like way up. He's finally got eyes on him now. Exactly. So uh but yeah, no. Brandon and Peter, I I don't know how much longer they can continue this gimmick. I mean in wait, theory. Wait, wait, I figured it out. They Leva helps them become friends again and they win their first match back together as a tag team. I'd like and to it see turns it. out that the way that the way that they win is through the power of friendship. <laughs> Let's draw this mark on our hands to symbolize our friendship. Uh. <laughs> What, do you have a problem with me referencing Yu-Gi-Oh? Yes. Okay, we'll find another fucking podcast to be on that. You could have referenced the Boo Boo Buddy Club. I could have referenced the Boo Boo Buddy Club. <laughs> um, this is an official Marking Out With My Girlfriend endorsement. Watch Owl House. It's adorable. Owl House is wonderful. It's one of my favorite shows. Anyway, so... Um, is that everything we want to talk about for AEW? I think so. We didn't talk about the street fight that they had. Uh, that was pretty fun. I like that Sue got to flip everyone off. That's all <laughs> I had to say about that. Uh, oh, I watched an episode of MTV's old uh, like knockoff Japanese game show, Silent Library. And Trent was on it, but it was baby Trent. <laughs> When he was so still Trent, when he was still Trent Beretta, <laughs> and he looked like he looks a lot like Sue when he was younger. Like he's he's gotten probably more daddish, yeah, in, as he's gotten older. But he looked a lot like Sue then. The beard covers it up a lot, probably. Probably. Okay, that's all I had to say about that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so a street fight, basically. I think there were like no DQs and you got to use as many weapons as you wanted from what was found in the parking lot, basically. For, for this one, they basically circled a bunch of cars in a, around where they'd wrestle and they just kind of broke everything. Yeah, no, there are a lot of broken cars. It was fun. Orange Cassidy was in the trunk. The Toyota kept running. It was it was very silly. It's probably uh, not probably it's definitely worth watching oh yeah okay here's the thing even if we don't cover it here aew whatever they put out is worth watching usually there's a few exceptions but it's worth watching usually so but yeah no that it would it's it's all worked very safely like as much as it can be. Yeah. Yeah, there were no like major injuries from that match. 
Trent did get caught blading his arm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so to clarify, blading is a thing that wrestlers do sometimes to basically they like give themselves a little cut with a razor blade to make it look like they're bleeding a lot. Just a little flick on the forehead, just, usually. Just a little. And it like produces a lot of blood and it gives a really cool effect depending on your squeamishness when it comes to blood. I can handle blading. I can't handle light tubes. Um, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> so, um, speaking of light tubes and things like that, let's get to GCW. Because GCW <laughs> this weekend hosted what was it called? The Collective. Yeah, they were hosting Collective in Indianapolis, Indiana, which was a three day event bringing together a bunch of different promotions. Mm-hmm. To do like a super event that they missed out on doing over Mania week. Right. So WrestleMania usually, uh, for those not in the know, is a very, it's the biggest week of the year for indie wrestling. Because all of the indie promotions will go to the same town that has WrestleMania. And the people who are in town for WrestleMania that week get to go watch a bunch of indie shows. This is the week where you get a whole lot of new fans watching who might not normally, mm-hmm. but you also get different promotions and different scouts for the bigger promotions. Right. It's like the biggest weekend in wrestling or the biggest week in wrestling. And this year that didn't happen because of lockdown. Yeah. So they decided to have a version of that over the course of a long weekend in October. And it was still spring break weather. Yeah. <laughs> It was pretty good. Like I, the the event overall was good. Um, that said, yeah, caveat before we start talking about this, there are a couple of wrestlers who've tested positive for COVID nineteen since the event, mm-hmm. which is not great. But the ones that we know about are being very open with their results and what they're doing to quarantine and letting the people they worked with know. Yeah, so like there being someone somewhere was irresponsible who came to that event. Yeah. But the people who got infected because of it are being responsible about it. Yeah, I think so far my favorite has been Tony Deppen, who is still waiting on his results. But canceled his event for this weekend. Yeah, so it's like, no, you, you're being responsible. That's what I want to see in a wrestler outside of the ring. Right. Like, to, like credit to Tony Deppin for a lot of things. Tony Deppin's amazing. <laughs> yes. But in particular, credit to him for handling the possibility that he may have been exposed to COVID-19 and been infected. Like, just handling the possibility as professionally yep. as he has. Also, credit to Tony Deppin for rocking that Speedo at Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Hey, there's a transition. Let's talk about Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Okay. <laughs> I had GCW pull up. We can go right over to Big Gay Brunch. Big Gay Brunch was technically a GCW show. That's true. This was a GCW show. That's, that blows my mind, actually. Before spring break. Oh, yeah. It makes sense, and yet not. <laughs> so, um, Effie's Big Gay Brunch was a showcase of all of the queer wrestling talent that you know 
works in the indies and everything like that as a way of like you know showcasing all of these really talented queer performers that don't get a fair shake because of their gender identity sexuality you know other various parts of who they are that are you know but they make them less appealing to traditional booking yeah traditional booking being mostly done by you know macho men <laughs> but not in the village people sort of way oh goodness um and that we actually talked about this earlier in the week where a lot of the people on this card might not have been considered at the original booking for wrestlemania weekend right because in part because of their stock going up in part because of companies going under in part because they just weren't available and in part a lot of them came out this year during uh pride month that's very true yeah yeah a lot of them have been out for a while but a lot of them did there's a lot of talent that came out this year and it's like very very cool to be able to see you know performers not having to be in the closet anymore kenny omega because they feel comfortable being themselves in public Mm -hmm. and i like that i'm all for more wrestlers coming out and saying this is who i am and if you have a problem with that i will and can beat you up and i don't have to be on your show exactly i've got plenty of shows that will book me regardless of what you think yep so, what stood out to you in this? Oh, so much. We're going to go through the whole card. Okay. I just... Come back when you learn about the transgender process, Junior. God damn it. <laughs> A classic Jericho quote. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our first match on the card was Team C-Stars, um, who are... Ashley Vox and Delmi Exo versus AC Mack and Ashton Starr. AC Mack is some form of queer. I can't remember exactly how he identifies. And then I can't remember which of the C stars is gay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. I look at anyone I think they're gay until proven otherwise, so. That's fair. So the C stars are like real life sisters. One of them is gay. Yes. And they're staples along a few big indie promotions. Like, they've done Beyond shows. They've done Shimmer. Shimmer. They've done Chikara shows as well. When those were a thing. Rest in peace. The hopes and dreams of Chikara, but not the actual people behind it. (laughs) Yes. That was a fun match. Like, it was a good way to get the crowd warmed up. Like, it was it was early, so it was the first match of the day. This was 11 a.m. Yeah, this was 11 a.m. Eastern. I hadn't finished brunch by this point. <laughs> no, it was... It was... It was... To be honest... It's hard to go on first in a show like this. Yeah, there is a lot of expectation. And I have to give them all four of them credit for putting on a phenomenal match. Yeah. Even if they were first on the card, 
regardless of card position, they put on a great match. And it just set up the crowd so perfectly for what else was coming. Because they didn't just set them up for like the next match or the rest of the card. Like this was an entire day. Yeah, this was a setup for this show, the 4 p.m. show, and then the like 8 p.m. show. Yeah. So it was they and I guess. Oh, no, they were doing four shows a day, weren't they? They were doing the morning, the afternoon, the evening, and then the midnight. Right. There was like super late shows that we just did not stay up for. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, no, credit to the C-Stars, AC Mack and Ashton Star for putting together a very, very good opening match for the Saturday events. Uh, producer Aitsu wants us to know that uh, this brunch didn't come with unlimited breadsticks. It came with unlimited twinks. True. We will explain we'll that in a that. bit. <laughs> so we had the next match. One of the matches that I was looking forward to the most. This was the one I really wanted to see. And I just want to highlight that none of these matches, there was only one match that was under 10 minutes. No. Like the, the Sea Stars versus AC Mack and Ashton Star was 13 and a half minutes. That's a pretty decently long match. Yeah, everyone got time. The next match, the one that I was very excited for, Still Life with Apricots and Pears versus Dark Sheik, was 16 minutes. Oh, 16 minutes of fast-paced technical wrestling. It was so good. <laughs> uh, now, for Lexi's context, mostly, I, I guess also, Erica watched it with us, so Erica has the context. And the context of anyone listening. And the context, for, the, for everyone's context, Dark Sheik has been around for a while. Mm -hmm. And like, I think she was one of the first like out trans performers yeah. in the indie circuit. Yeah, She was a staple of Hood Slam. Still is when they do shows. Yes. <laughs> She's phenomenal. Like her whole like. Just everything. Like, it's a very technical style, but she, she does some really good stuff. And like, just the fact that she was that much of a pioneer was also a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, being being out as a trans woman in wrestling is not easy, especially when you get a lot of those MMA Joe Rogan fucks. Yeah, who are like, we should be wrestling women, blah, blah, blah. Um, on this podcast, we do not endorse gendered wrestling leagues, belts, or like gender segregated matches because gender is fake and wrestling is fake. So just let it happen. Except in the case of Shimmer, Shine, and Rise, who give a platform exclusively to female talent. Yes. So like, yeah, women's women's leagues make sense having those there as platforms for companies or companies where they give a platform to underrepresented performers always a good thing never a bad thing but also let lufisto beat up cody yes gosh i want to see that <laughs> i would love to see that <laughs> and then of course still life with apricots and pears who we both discovered earlier this year through Chikara. 
as one of the first out and prominent non-binary wrestlers that yes. we've seen. Still Life uses they them pronouns. Actually, sorry, Still Life uses they she pronouns now. Yes, I believe that's what their that was Twitter as of the most says. recent update on their Twitter bio. Yeah. So eh, new pronouns are always a thing to celebrate. Yeah. That said, Still Life is amazing. Like Still Life has such a brilliant technical style. And like they they're like six foot something. Mm-hmm. They're very tall and they're very lithe, and they use that like yeah you, know, you you the the term you associate with someone who's tall is like gangly because of the length of their limbs and stuff like that. Still life has elegance and flow, and their movements are very poised, and it's really beautiful to watch. Yes, their whole gimmick is that they are a sentient painting, <laughs> and it. Yes, they it, are very much like at Helico. Yes, that is a producer. Itsu makes a good point. They are very similar in their wrestling style to at Helico, uh, but Still Life has just that grace to every single one of their movements, and and you can even see that in the way that they pose, where it's less of a macho pose and more of a mystique. Yes, yes, Lexi, a painting. They're they're probably one of my favorite wrestlers in the world right now oh totally like it would be worth picking up that iwtv five-day trial exclusively to go find still life's matches mm-hmm. and learn their story that's totally a plug listen up nerds marking out with my girlfriend the best wrestling and or tangent podcast on the internet has a new affiliate that's right we're now affiliated with independent wrestling tv and let me tell you, we clawed our way up to this deal. We earned it. Blood, sweat, and tears. And guess what? They are stuck with us. If you visit iwtv.live slash go slash so says media and enter code so says media, you get five days of all the best independent wrestling for free. After that, it's only $10 a month to watch live events and the entire back catalog. By using our promo code so says Media, you get all that free trial to watch our favorites, like GCW, ICW No Holds Barred, and H2O. Or something not hardcore, like Beyond, Pure J, and Black Label Pro. Now go watch some wrestling, dweeb, because we're not going anywhere until you do boom got it do they not age and another wrestler gets old (laughs) (laughs) no they do not unfortunately have dorian gray powers as much as that That could could be a very good good storyline actually (laughs) i would be interested to see how that would play out uh so after a 16 minute battle of brilliant technical wrestling i like the juxtaposition of like the brutality of the technical wrestling that dark sheik has because hood slam tends to be a bit like rougher versus the like you know flowing graceful movements very like very airbendery yes that that's a good way to describe them that's a good way to describe it for the gays who are in love with avatar (laughs) 
Now, I will say that both Still Life and Dark Sheik, I've been watching their stuff for a while. This, I believe, is the first time I've seen both of them in, like, real time. Yeah, no, this Not is the first YouTube time I've seen... Not on a YouTube or IWTV yeah. recording. I think we saw Still Life once during a Chikara show. Oh. What, during Cybernetico? No, that was definitely pre-recorded. Right, 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 right. The Cybernetico was always pre-recorded, but was it was pre-recorded this year. show in Connecticut, but I'm pretty sure that was recorded as well. No, that was live. Was it? Yeah. Uh, Shangri-La. Yes. Yeah, that was that was live. Okay. So it's the second time I've seen Still Life live. <laughs> First time seeing them in singles action. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Because they were tagging with blank against the bird and the bee. Oh my gosh, all these people will reference back to you later. Yes, we will. We will get. Um, we will. We will. That's right. They did have that match right. with Polly Cole Party 2. Oh Although my goodness, I've seen Still Life more than I realized. It's now Polly M Cult Party 2. Right. My bad, sorry. No, the event was called Poly Cult Party yep. 2, but we should reference it as Polyam Cult Party 2 because it's now the Polyam Cult because Polynesian people have requested that polyamorous people stop using the term poly, and MV Young is Being a good the man. King. <laughs> Being the king the of the Polyam Cult <laughs> is not going to steal language from people of color because the king of the Polyam Cult is a good man. Uh, so after 16 minutes of of that, you know, contrasting style, it, it goes to show like very well how technical wrestling doesn't mean one style. Mm-hmm. Because you can have the contrasting styles while still both being very technical. Still Life does get the win over Dark Sheik. They have like a hug in the ring afterwards. And oh. it was like, it was very good. I almost cried. I won't was, lie. This show had me on the verge of tears multiple times. And then one time just straight up actually crying. Some of those times were just from laughter. Yes. <laughs> um, so our next match was uh, possibly one of my favorite matches of all time. Uh... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Not that one. That, the one after this one was one of my favorite matches of all time. I skipped over the eight-man tag match because I know Aaron hates eight-man tag matches. But I'm also torn because Billy Dixon, MV Young, Josh, Josh Wavra, and O'Shea Edwards on a team. Okay, so this was a... Um, there was an event on Joey Janela's Spring Break called The Clusterfuck. This was more of a clusterfuck. Yeah, this was more of a literal clusterfuck. So it was the second year crew, um, the one called Manders, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice, and teaming with, oh, teaming with the Amish wrestler Levi Everett, who I don't believe is actually Amish. He just plays an Amish character. I, I, I would find it hard to believe if he was, but you know what? I've seen weirder. 
I, maybe he just went out on Rumspringa and decided <laughs> to become a wrestler. I mean, that's valid. He would have to choose getting shunned by the community, though. Yeah. There's like a whole thing about the way that shunning works in Amish culture that's very intense. And like a lot of the reason why people don't leave after Rumspringa is that they're like, everyone I know will no longer speak to me. So it is kind of a big deal to like leave. Uh, this is entirely unrelated. I watched a couple documentaries on Amish culture. It's it's fun. Fun. It's interesting. I watch, it, it certainly. I've also watched a documentary about ferry owners. That was the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. There was some lady who wrote songs about ferrets and like tried to sell CDs at ferret conventions because there are ferret conventions. There were ferret conventions. That doesn't surprise me. After the few ferret owners I've known, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the eight-man tag match um, was highlighted by the fact that O'Shea Edwards kept getting hit by his own team. Yeah, no, after the second time, I actually posted on Twitter, it's like, when O'Shea Edwards starts beating the hell out of his own team, I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was, a, there was a lot of good in this match, though. Like, yes, a lot of it was messy. Yes, as you get with an eight. Oh, sorry, hit. I got off topic. We only introduced half the card. <laughs> I introduced the other half. That's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't had alcohol in like a month. Has it been that long? Wow. Okay. Yeah, because I'm just hitting the green. Oh, jeez. You know, golf practice. Yeah. Gotta get your putting up. No, so, um... It was there. The bar fight between MV Young and uh, Matthew Justice was really, really good. Really intense. I'd like to see them go one on one. I would too. It, it's it's gonna happen. Like they both, they both have said like I want this to happen. Yeah. Um, it might be a ring light championship match. Does wait? Does MV still have the Ring Light Championship? I'm pretty sure he won at Polyam Colt Party too, right? Wait, didn't Jody win? Oh, pull it up. No, Jody won the Battle Royale, which then got him into the match. I don't remember Polyam Colt Party two very well. I more remember Molly and Still Life selling smashed canvases. Amish are the ones with the hats and horses. Yes, it's... they're the ones who don't embrace any technology whatsoever. They're distinct from Mennonites who do embrace some technology. They're both sects of Anabaptist. It's I could do a TED talk on this, but nobody would care. <laughs> okay, MV did retain both the Ringlight Championship and the Wrestle Lab Championship. Okay. Although the Wrestle Lab Championship did subsequently get stolen along with Envy's gear. Oh, yep. I remember hearing about that. 
That was some bullshit. Yes. That was also how Josh Wavera got inducted into the polyam cult. Yeah, that, that was a consensual uh, stipulation on the match. Mm-hmm. Whereas Josh Wavera loses, he joins the polyam cult. And he did. <laughs> so now he is one of MV Young's over 10,000 romantic partners. Speaking of which, should we update the polycule chart for that? Oh, goodness. I will send a tweet later. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that match was a clusterfuck. I wish I could get girlfriends by losing wrestling matches. <laughs> you can. I mean, I beat up Cat all the time. It was a consensual slam. It still counts. Wrestling is consensual. You didn't pin me, though. I pinned you the other times. The match is still ongoing. <laughs> ref hasn't counted to three yet. Okay. Who's the ref? I don't know. Probably Emma. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to spring that on her sometime, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so anyway, um, Team Polyam loses to the yes. second year crew because they accidentally beat up O'Shea Edwards. Who just left. Who just left because he was frustrated. I don't blame him. <laughs> There's a lot of good in this match. It was just an eight-man tag match, and eight-man tag matches are not Aaron's thing. <laughs> no. It's impossible for the ref to control. Like, uh... It's impossible for the ref to control. It's impossible for people to watch. Mm -hmm. You need a camera on each person. And, and that's really hard. Them. Yeah, and it's really hard. You need, like, the NFL Sunday ticket view is the thing I said. Yeah, pretty much. Or whatever the CBC Hockey Night in Canada version is. That They just play the game for that. I mean, like, yeah, but there's, like, a NHL ice pass or something stupid like that. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I don't watch real sports. <laughs> So anyway, the next match, this this match was probably my like favorite, second favorite match on the card, because I have to give the headliner the, the, the spot for favorite. Yeah, this would probably be like my third favorite then. Car racing isn't a sport. It's an activity. I do like racing cars. <laughs> but they're not athletes. They're drivers. I don't know. They work out like, like athletes. They're drivers. Anyway, Jamie Senegal and Alley Cat. Jamie Senegal and Alley Cat in a match where Alley Cat started the match by simping hard at Jamie. Could you maybe please pet my belly? <laughs> it was like aggressive simping and it was adorable and then she got stepped on mm-hmm which like you know and then i thought i wouldn't mind getting stepped on <laughs> yeah it was just a very very fun match it i will say there was more interference than i usually like to see yeah that that was maybe a little much but like i i still think it worked out like Pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, as a they match. put on a very entertaining match. 
I would watch it again. I would have no problem with that. I will actively watch it again because it was one of my favorite matches of all time. Mm-hmm. We still have to show Emma. I think when she wakes up tonight, does she, is she working overtime tonight? Yes. She's not tomorrow night though. Okay. So yeah, she, we will show her this match because it was very good. <laughs> the simping alone is worth watching. The simping alone. I'm going to try to find her tweet where she posted pictures of the simp. <laughs> Jamie Senegal hit an incredible rebound German suplex off the off the ropes that was like I, there's a gif on Alley Cat's Twitter that you can watch and it's really good. Oh yeah. Every time they do it it's really good. Okay, hold on. <laughs> we're almost we're almost to the point where we'll be able to find these more readily. <laughs> nah. You can keep talking. I don't know what else I have to really say about this match. Other than Jamie Senegal being really hot? Uh, yeah, no. They're both very attractive people. That's the thing. Pardon? That's the thing about... Like, most of this card was very attractive people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole next match is based on being attractive people. (laughs) Yes. It was an event of attractive queer people who happen to be wrestlers. And then some twinks. Okay, (laughs) here we go. Oh, what is this? That's Alley Cat throwing the... Oh, the simping. Okay. I love her face makeup. It's good. I've done that face makeup before. I try to do it again now that I have, like... Paint. You know, actual stage makeup. Not just acrylic? Uh, no, when I did the alley cat look, it was all eyeliner. Oh, okay, right. Warhorse was acrylic. Warhorse was acrylic because that's what Warhorse uses. True. He uses the fucking Michael's store brand acrylic. His poor skin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he wears it for a couple hours, eh? Mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking of twinks. The twink gauntlet. Yes. Effie had the twink gauntlet, which was a series of loosely defined as twinks. Twinks? <laughs> the The definition of twink for this match was very wide. I Seriously, you should watch this match. It's <laughs> You should watch this whole card. You know, everything from Jimmy Lloyd... To Perot, the Twink Hunter, as he was called. Yes, Perot was the Twink Hunter. To the runway of Tyler Klein and Calvin Couture, who are definitely Twinks. Tyler Klein and Calvin Couture, extreme Twinks. To Tony Deppinit in a size too small Speedo. Kind of a Twink. Molly McCoy, a she-they Twink, but a thicker she-they Twink. Molly's my favorite. I love Molly so much. I can even get past the fact that she's a Flyers fan. <laughs> wow, that takes a lot, actually. That takes a lot, because I fucking hate the Flyers. <laughs> but yeah, this match was bonkers. It was crazy from start to finish, and it lasted almost like 25 minutes. 
Yeah, so because they didn't want to do, like, a normal Battle Royal because of the COVID restrictions. Right. They had a gauntlet instead where you had to beat someone, then whoever comes after them, whoever comes after them. And it started out pretty normal until Perot the Twink Hunter arrived. Perot is huge. And he's a bear. He's not a twink. (laughs) Yes. But, like, that was kind of the conceit of the match was that it was the Twinks versus the Twink Hunter. Yeah. And Pro made pretty quick work of everyone. Even Molly McCoy, who he powerbombed into a wall. He, yeah, he powerbombed into a, like, cinder block wall. <laughs> it's very much held in gymnasium. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was fun, though. Like, I strongly recommend checking it out. Like, this whole show was very good. And then once Pro gets through his reign of terror, Effie comes out with a microphone. It's like, you are not going to dominate my twinks. I am now bringing unlimited twinks. I just sent out like a bunch of twinks all at once. And, <laughs> and then eventually Devin Monroe comes out. Was There was someone who was dressed as a sex doll, but not an actual sex doll. Are you thinking Yoshihiko from the other... Y- no, Yoshihiko was in the... The Clusterfuck. Um, the Clusterfuck. There was the a dude... Showed. There was a dude in a sex doll outfit. <gasps> yeah. Was that this match or was that... The next one? That was this match. Okay. I don't I remember that part specifically then. Because that was the question mark, question mark, question mark that's listed on this... Um, event card okay that's fair um so yeah no, it was it was very silly uh so this person was in a like morph suit that was painted to look like a blow-up doll it was very funny yes then our next and penultimate match of the card was the shortest match of the night morning early but afternoon also the most hilarious it was the um too hot for TV match. That was originally booked as Priscilla Kelly versus Effie. She wasn't Pris- able to make the show. Yeah. Priscilla had to pull out for familial reasons, which is justified and entirely understandable. So they yeah. got a replacement at the last minute. Marco Stunt. AEW performer Marco Stunt. You would not expect to see here. <laughs> it was exciting. And uh, Marco Stunt there were a lot of there was a lot of kink gear there was sex toys involved there were sex toys involved in this match because again it was the not safe for t or the the too hot for tv match which meant it had to be effie got a yeah effie got like a lube shot into his eye from a dildo that jizzed after getting a ring gag put in him mm-hmm. after taking a cropping mm-hmm uh, what else was there? There was a lot. Surprisingly, no pinwheels. Yes, there was also wax play. There was wax play. Yes, that's true. It was it was buck wild. I yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was a lot. Marco stunt beat Effie. We can move on from there. <laughs> Honestly, if it sounds like something that you'd be entertained watching, go watch it. Otherwise. You're okay to skip it. <laughs> I mean, like it, it was, it was funny 
in how like absurd it was yes like it wasn't for being that heavily kink focused it wasn't that sexual it wasn't sexy at all no it was not at all it was definitely done humorously yes uh now the main event of the night was the one that like uh, among all of the ones that i was looking forward to this one was probably the one i was looking forward to the most it was uh, Sunny Kiss, the AEW performer, versus Cassandro El Exotico, the probably the like one of the first, if not the f- er, the first Exotico, if not the first, the biggest, definitely the biggest, and definitely the longest tenured. Yes, Cassandro has been wrestling for a very long time, and Cassandro was an out queer wrestler before there were out queer wrestlers and he has been doing this for a very long time has been doing it incredibly well for a very long time and if it wasn't for cassandro a lot of the people even on this card you might not know now Mm-hmm. because a lot of what cassandro did was show that yeah i might be gay and yes i might dress effeminate but I'll also kick your ass. Yep. And that like added a lot of legitimacy to queer wrestlers as they started to come out, you know, and a big part of that is owed to the fact that Cassandro paved the way for both out gay wrestlers and campy wrestlers. Yep. Because like, you know, you could, you could be like a, yeah, there there are gay wrestlers who are just gay wrestlers. Yeah. Then there are gay wrestlers or queer wrestlers who are like camp. Who and who just like live in a way that's like, yeah, if I'm gonna be gay, I'm gonna be extra about it because it's fun. I'm gonna have fun with this. Because mm-hmm. the world doesn't want me to. It's like even just on this card, you can look like O'Shea Edwards is a bisexual man. Effie is a gay man who's extremely extra. <laughs> right. Like, or like, um, Alley Cat is a pansexual woman, and, you know, she is out and proud, and also her gimmick is that she's a literal cat. <laughs> Who doesn't like getting caught in the rain. Doesn't like getting wet. Likes, likes getting her belly rubbed for a second. If you rub for too long, she will attack you. <laughs> You know, like we have Still Life, who is playing the character of a sentient painting. Who is a non-binary individual. It's like these wouldn't be these might not be things they could express without someone like Cassandro doing it first. And like dealing with all of the at like legitimate terrible homophobia and harassment like just vitriol and hatred cassandro deserves millions of accolades that hopefully he continues to get as his career continues because he's still in incredible ring shape as this match showed oh my goodness (laughs) 
Sunny Kiss is in great shape too. Sunny Kiss has, I will contend, the actual best ass in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And even then, Sunny Kiss performs on live television weekly with some of the best in the business. Mm-hmm. Sunny Kiss had an incredible match versus Cody Rhodes. Like that match was just so big for like her profile in the wrestling world. Mm-hmm. And even with all that, Cassandra was the show stealer of this match. <laughs> Cassandra was the show stealer for the card. Yes. <laughs> like, I know it sounds like we're rambling and just saying more and more, but we're trying to really build up like how important this is. It was genuinely, I think, probably one of the most important wrestling matches I've watched ever. Yes. There were literal tears. I think everyone was crying at the end of that. Like, yeah. It Cassandra did end up winning the match. That's just that's, but that's not important, you know, compared to everything that that match meant. Yeah, that still means, and that like every, uh, there's sorry, I there's a very good documentary about Cassandra. Uh, Cassandra the Exotico. It's a 2018 documentary that like details all of like the everything that he had to go through to get where he is now. And I strongly recommend watching that. Like even if you don't care that much about wrestling, it's like for me, it's one of those things that I love to be able to host a screening of for pride month sometime, like yeah. at a theater, uh, depending on how many independent theaters survive COVID there's, a couple in Toronto that I think would probably be amenable to it. But yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a good, this, at the end of this match, I was crying because it was really, really, really special to watch and be a part of in the way that I was, even just as a fan. And I enjoyed getting to watch Cassandra, you know, get a standing ovation from everyone who performed that, yeah, that morning. And it was like, it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. If you watch nothing from that card, except if you watch one match from that card, make it that match over everything else. You deserve that for yourself. It was very good. Okay, on a quick, abrupt key change, Orange Cassidy versus Ricky Shane Page at Joey Janela's Spring Break. Oh, gosh, yeah, that, I don't think you get a much bigger key change than that. No, you really don't. But Orange <laughs> Cassidy versus Ricky Shane Page and the rest of the 440 assholes. Yeah, so at the start of the show, Ricky Shane Page just came out, let himself into the ring and took a microphone and was taking challenges, it sounded like. You know, there's like some kid from a local school who came down. Dan Housing came down. There was someone else. I don't remember. Sorry. But then a very long extended musical interlude comes in. And then Orange Cassidy, star of AEW, comes out to the ring and has a match to open up Joey Jello's spring break. Orange Cassidy beats Ricky Shane Page in a non-title match. Because Ricky Shane Page is a smart champion and doesn't put his title on the line. <laughs> Because no one's forcing him to. Ugh. 
This is why the 30-day rule was always a good thing. This is also where we get our first of many chants for this weekend of Fuck Ohio. Because <laughs> everyone hates Ohio. Everyone hates Ohio. Uh, don't worry, I too, I still have it bought, so we can still watch sometime. It's only an eight-minute match, so. And, like, 440's whole deal is that they are from Ohio. Literally, that's the gimmick. <laughs> it was a fun match, though. Orange Cassidy actually tried, and it looked really good. This was good. a lot more indie orange than we've yes. seen in AEW. Except maybe outside of the Cody match this week. Yeah, no, like, he did do the roll-through-the-ring bit, though. Yes. Which is hilarious. That was that was a good match. Um, our next match was Team Iron Beast versus the Rascals. Team Iron Beast is KTB and Shane Mercer, and the Rascals are Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz. Who aren't they Impact wrestlers? I don't know, but this was a very good technical match. Yeah, this was a lot more than I would have thought walking mm-hmm. in. Because I don't know what I would have expected beforehand, but it wasn't the more technical than hard-hitting match that we got. Right. Like, you'd expect from Joey Janela's Spring Break a little bit more hard-hitting, like, wrestling action. Yeah, you expect more of a hardcore show, and it really didn't give you that, actually. No, it was a very technical, very technical match. It worked really well as a juxtaposition for a lot of the rest of the card. I liked this match a lot. I liked this event a lot, but like, you know, there's a lot of good matches. Um, our next match on the card was Jonathan Gresham versus Lee Moriarty. This was a marathon match. <laughs> they went for 20 minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah, no, you get your drink. You go to the washroom beforehand before watching this match. And this could have been a main event. Absolutely. It was incredible. For just about any other card, this could have been the main event. Mm-hmm. But this had a lot to main event. There were like four main events on this card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this card is pretty stacked. And the show is like four or five hours long. <laughs> oh my god, it went from 7pm to midnight. Yeah. like That's just kind of par for the course for a Joey Chanel show, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. At least no one had to cut their show short afterwards this time. True. <laughs> um, so that was a fun match. I enjoyed that a lot. The one that I think I was probably most excited for coming into it was the next match. Team Pazuzu. Team Pazuzu, which was Chris Dickinson and Santana and Ortiz. There's so many AEW people on this card for this weekend. It was great. Oh, I adore Santana and Ortiz. I like seeing them back in the indies where they're not like as you know, they're 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 still threats in AEW, but like, you know, they do the whole like overselling thing in a very comedic way. They're, you know, much more threatening here. They're behind Jericho in AEW. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, but they're like the front of Team Pazuzu in the indies. Yeah. Like with the inner circle. Jericho and Sammy, you know, at least they build their own kind of 
they, they get eyes on themselves. That's what right. I want to say. Santana Ortiz. They build their own hype. There you go. Santana Ortiz seemed to have a little bit of trouble with that. Going through not only like a really stacked tag team division, but those two being in the same group. Right. The inner being in the inner circle, I think, hurts them a little bit. But it also like, you know, they I still love Santana Ortiz. They're some of my favorite wrestlers. Oh yeah. They're so good. I love them. Um, they were up against Next Gen, which was Alex Zane, Blake Christian, and Jordan Oliver. And this match was 20 minutes of Blake Christian getting his ass kicked. Oh my god, <laughs> Blake Christian got his ass kicked so bad. And like, the best part about it was, it made Blake Christian look so good. Yeah, he took it. <laughs> Jeez. He took it, he kept coming back. Ooh, so. ooh. Yeah, this was just another great match. Blake Christian was over as hell afterwards. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if Blake Christian isn't like the next big thing in wrestling that happens in 2021. Yeah, don't count 2020 for anything. <laughs> it's a little skeptical counting on 2021 for anything. Yeah. But yeah, no, Team Pazuzu takes the match. I just, it was fun. I love watching Santana Ortiz wrestle. And Chris Dickinson is amazing in his own way. Oh, absolutely. Like, none of that was bad. Um, no. our, our next match was Leo Rush versus ACH. Which was supposed to be Leo Rush's last match mm-hmm. at Spring Break when it happened at WrestleMania. So he's had a couple since then. And who knows if it's going to be his last match now. Right. I think what they said was that Leo Rush had, like, talked about it being his last match. Planned for retirement. And then, like, after realizing, hey, you know, I'm not doing this to get big anymore. I'm not doing this for, like, accolades or anything like that. Yep. I'm done. But I love this and I want to keep doing it. So I'm just going to keep loving it and keep doing it. Pazuzu is the demon from the exorcist. Pazuzu is also the king of demons of the east wind in Mesopotamia folklore. is also the griffin thing that saves Professor Farnsworth a couple of times in Futurama. (laughs) (laughs) I got her into laugh so hard that Discord automatically ducked her audio because it was that loud. What, just now? Yeah. Oh, well, we're not in Discord. Oh, I guess Zoom did it then. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, so, yeah, no. Did I skip over Tony Deppin versus Alex Shelley? Uh, yeah, we did. So I did. Tony Deppin in regular wrestling gear. Regular trunks. <laughs> okay, to be honest, I don't have a lot that I remember about these next two matches. Yeah. They were was... good. It was just... There was so much on this card. There was so much before it and so much after it. They kind of get drowned out. Like, I should probably go back and watch them, to be honest. That's not a bad idea. Um, now, we did have what I would consider the, like, second main event. The, the sub-main event. <laughs> no, the sub-main event would have been on Effie's show. Okay, 
So we had Ricky Morton of Rock and Roll Express versus Joey Janela. And boy, that was a match. Ricky Morton can work his ass off. Mm hmm. He is 64 years old and he still was in his prime in the 80s. <laughs> he was in his prime in the 80s and is still so good at wrestling. That's Ricky Morton or William Hung, depending. But yeah, they, they had a pretty hardcore match. There was tables and chairs and stuff. Yeah, it was. It wasn't the most hardcore match on the card, but it was no, a no, hardcore match. I was. I like. I that's that's a phenomenal match. Like, I like. What would you give that match out of ten? I would give this a solid seven and a half out of ten. That's about what I was thinking. Yeah. Like it was. It was fun. It was very fun. It was a good match to watch. Like, I wouldn't call it an all-time great, but I would call it a very, very, very good way to end most cards. Yeah. But there were two matches after this. <laughs> One of them was an hour long. Was that really how long the, the clusterfuck ran? That's about what I figured it did. Because okay, it just so, didn't end. Yeah, that's true. There were a lot of people in this match. <laughs> okay, so the next match on the card didn't actually have everyone on the card listed. <laughs> because it was just whoever wanted to come out, basically. So this was the Clusterfuck Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. And it was a clusterfuck. Oh, my goodness. It... Yeah, every couple minutes someone else came out, and there was, what, like 40 people in this? Yeah, Kevin Koo, Flash Flanagan, Dominic Garini, JTG, Calvin Tankman, Carrie Awful, Nick Icky, Carrie Morton, Cody Lane, Juicy Finau, Eric Ryan, Billy Starks, Eddie Only, Kung Fu Janella. Atticus Cougar, Cassandra Alexotico, Jody Threat, Matt Justice, Mance Warner, Gregory Iron, AJ Gray, Solo Darling and Willow Nightingale, Cabana Man Dan, Manders, Levi Everett, Paro, Robert Anthony, uh, who you may recognize from AEW and losing there, Frank the Clown, Okay, Eliana Black, I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> Dylan McKay, Steve Sanders, John Thorne, Griffin McCoy, Charlie Tiger, uh, the Stunt Brothers, Ellis Taylor, Cole Radrick, Lord Adrian, Tahir, did I say Jimmy Lloyd yet? I don't remember. The Invisible Man, who eliminated four people. Yep. Yoshihiko. Who eliminated the Invisible Man. Uh, for those who don't know, the Invisible Man isn't actually there. It's just a pretend wrestler. That they act like is there and everyone bumps like they're being hit by a real wrestler. But it's just a pretend wrestler. If you want to see a wonderful match, you can find the Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan. As refereed by Bryce Remsburg. Yeah, so that was... That was... Uh, 
Spring Break 2? I think so. But from that, you can understand, like, why Bryce Ravensburg is where he is. Yes. So Bryce, basically, in the Invisible Man versus Invisible Stand match, Bryce Remsburg, as the referee, had to be the one selling everything. Yeah. That match only happened because Bryce was there. That match could have only happened because of Bryce. And it's a phenomenal match. It's on YouTube. You should go out and watch it. Yeah. He, like, he sold every single... The crowd helped. I will say the yeah, crowd the is crowd an essential the crowd is an essential part of selling an invisible man match. <laughs> because the crowd like cleared space like they were there were performers and everything like that. Like the crowd really bought into the whole like invisible man versus invisible stan. It worked well. Yeah. Um did I mention Nate Webb yet? I did I mention did. Okay. Shark Boy, Thunder Kitty, Nasty Leroy. Starboy Charlie. I don't know if I've said Atticus Cougar yet. All of 440. Yeah, all of 440, basically. But, um, oh, Sugar Dunkerton. I yep. forgot Sugar Dunkerton was there. I don't see where he was eliminated. Maybe he wasn't? I don't know. I don't know either. But Maybe he just left. <laughs> yeah, so the, the three ways, they were like, if you went over the top rope, if you got pinned... Or if you submitted. If you submitted or if you left the building. <laughs> yeah. Nate Webb ended up going to the bar and getting three beers over the course of this match. Yep. And still won because he never left the building or fit any of the other criteria. So he got to relax for a good portion of the match. It was a clusterfuck. Yeah, but... Uh... They had a sex doll versus an invisible man. So they made special note of Juicy Fanot, who got on a plane to this show to volunteer to set up the ring to try and get into this match. <laughs> the clusterfuck was basically open to whoever wanted to be in it. Yeah, I probably could have got in there. <laughs> probably. I was in a wrestling match once. <laughs> once. It was actually twice I had two. What's your record? I don't remember because of the head trauma. I mean, that would be completely valid. I'm pretty sure it's one in one. Okay, that works. So our next match was um, our final match of the night, which was a death match. For those not familiar with death matches. They are not Aaron's cup of tea. They're not many people's cup of tea. This match involved a fuck ton of light tubes. Yeah. So you know fluorescent light tubes where like the they're like about yo big. About six feet. Yeah, and they're just tubes of like fucking gas. Gas and glass. A lot of those got broken over people's head. Yeah. Like there was a visible haze. In the ring. In the building. There was a haze of the gas from inside the light tubes. It's a good thing mask usage was uh, enforced. <laughs> yeah. It was, a, it was a bit of a... It's, it was... There was a lot of blood. There was a lot of toxic fumes. A lot of breathing in mercury or whatever. Yeah. 
It's a death match. It was Matt Tremont's last match. Yeah, so they kind of went out with a bang here. Yeah, Matt Tremont had to... Yeah, he's a deathmatch guy. You, get, you don't go out without a bang in a deathmatch. Um, same, and like... It was also their first match with a real crowd in a really long time, so it was their, like, tribute match for Danny Havoc. Mm-hmm. Uh, who passed away earlier this year. Of rest in violence, Danny Havoc. That applies when you're a deathmatch wrestler, not just a baseball player. True. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm told this was a very good deathmatch. Oh my god, it was so good. I couldn't watch half of it. I will... I will state, for the record, I'm a little bit fucked up, so I enjoy deathmatches. Blood is not a thing that bothers me. It's usually a perk. Um, <laughs> we've talked about this on the show before. I know we have. Everyone knows I have a blood kink. We'll just leave it at that. I enjoyed it. There was a lot of blood. It was fun. Uh, but yeah, a bunch of people ended up turning this one off because it was too much. Em- Emma ended up like... St- being like, okay, this is too much for me. Yeah, Emma had to close her stream to watch it, so. It was fun. It was good. I liked it. I think that's everything we had to talk about, though. Uh, do we want to go over the math wrestler real quick? Yes, because we watched that last night. Yep. So, IWTV, who you can use our social media code and link to get five days free and check out the math wrestler, <laughs> is doing a new tournament series of independent wrestlers wrestling through a tournament masked and completely covered. Yes, so their whole body is covered. They are masked, they're wearing gloves, everything, so you don't know who they are. Everyone looks the same except for the color of some accents on the gear. That's the the, the, the applique that they put on the gear. There you go. That's the word. And they have the first Watch one. Closet Champion, by the way. <laughs> producer Edsu says Aaron is very good at watching an indie wrestler and saying who they are so apparently I am yeah so yeah they do a brief interview with everyone where they go over like what's the hardest part of not knowing who your opponent is going into this and tell two truths and a lie about yourself and they have judges there Uh, this week was Chris Chris Statlander Billy Dixon and Mr. Brickster. The Brickster, the, you know, the bad guy from Lego Island. Yep. And they, their job is to try and guess who the wrestlers are by their performance. So we had this week, this week was very good. It's like it started out as like the whole thing was a very generic wrestling match. There was some it's the it's it's the masked singer, but for wrestling, yes, it really is, yeah, it exactly is. <laughs> I'm still explaining it to people like me who don't watch the masked singer. I don't either. But yeah, it it was a very basic technical match they did, so it was kind of hard to try and figure out who it was. There were some little hints that Aaron picked up on. There, the... there was tells. There was there tells, tells in a specific move or a way that a hold was countered or in stance and poise 
I might be too into this. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that's the point of this whole thing is to guess. Yeah. And then at the end of each match, the loser has to unmask after the judges try and guess. The judges did not guess who. I guess I should tell you. This week's match was Genkai, who is the pink wrestler, and Barf, who is the green green wrestler. wrestler. (laughs) Because why wouldn't you name them Barf? After the character from Spaceballs. Yep. So watching this... I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. (laughs) I had my idea of who these two were. First of all, like... Should I tell the ones that aren't unmasked? No. No? Save your guesses. Okay, I'm going to say, I have it in a document that I'm not editing except to add more people. And I can make that available later. But Barf did end up losing this match. And I had figured through his... This is where, like, the poise and the different stances he would make, how he would interact with, like, the judges... I had guessed that this was Blank from Chikara. Unmask, and the wrestler is Logan Easton LaRue. Logan Easton LaRue, also known for performing at Chikara under the name Blank. <laughs> so Aaron fucking guessed it. I guessed that one pretty good, actually. <laughs> you guessed that amazingly well. And here's the thing, I didn't think to go check Cage Match. I was like, of course, why would it be? So It's probably just someone very similar. Oh, no, I'm an idiot. I should always check cage match. <laughs> it was very, it was a very good guess. I'm very proud of you. Watch the Masked Wrestler. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, one match every Wednesday for the next couple months. For 20 minutes. Yeah. Give or take. Like, it's a, you have to commit, like, maybe half an hour to the fucking thing. And it's like, you know, 10 to 1030. You can, you can make that. You can watch that getting ready for bed. So, yeah, I think that's everything we have to talk about right i think that could be unless we want a wrestling recommendation yes please i i've had one that i've been sitting on for a little bit the match is tessa blanchard versus big swole oh i've chosen this one because big swole listed it on her twitter as one of her favorite matches good reason to choose it yep um so I think that's all we had for this week, right? I think that is. Oh, thank God. We've been going for two hours. I have to pee. So do I so badly. (laughs) So with that out of the way, with everything all said and done, I get to do my favorite part of the show, which is where I tell everyone to remember to love each other, but also to be gay and do crimes. Bang. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Welcome to Rodian Public Radio. I'm Gleek Zafo. This is This Rodian Life. This week, Chaco and Chatza.
A legacy of leadership.